When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It was complete chaos, but I think I loved it. Hello there, guys. Daniel Childs with some bit of a voice. I feel like that's becoming a reoccurring theme when I returned from Stanford Bridge in recent weeks. I guess that's actually quite a good thing to be honest uh, and to give you my rational perspective on Chelsea 3 Brighton 2 a another dramatic game involving Mauricio Pochettino's Chelsea but this time Chelsea do have the three points we actually do have a big win and it feels rare it really feels weird coming out of Stamford Bridge feeling positive and actually cheering at the end and it isn't just you know, trying to take positives out of a draw or glorious defeat, we're not Spurs. So to actually, you know, win a game and to talk about a win in those very dramatic circumstances that, you know, really make it a a dramatic game that doesn't really tell us tons about Chelsea's quality. I, I personally don't think it's not exactly a glorious performance, but in other ways, I think it is a lovable performance, or at least uh, an informative one, a good one for Mauricio Pochettino heading into a busy festive period. And against an opponent, yes, depleted by injuries, but an opponent with the quality of Brighton, Chelsea were able to ride very difficult periods and come out of a game that I personally thought was going to end in kind of tragedy once again for the Blues. If you're new around here, please do me a massive favour to help my voice get back to normal by hitting that like button turning on those notifications if you've subscribed so you don't miss any of the content throughout the Christmas period. We've got so much to cover regarding Chelsea, not just the number of games we have at this time of the year. Going to have guests on, going to do probably some rankings and ratings and and interesting videos across the uh, festive year to round out 2023. So these are my thoughts and a lot of the drama, I think it's best to start at the end, right? A lot of the post-match drama is once again about officiating. When is it not this season regarding Premier League officials, their incompetence, VAR, and either team, sometimes in case, in cases a lot now, both teams feel that they've been robbed. Now, I'm going to try as best as I can to put my objective hat on here and not just go biased towards Chelsea. 
Uh, I can understand looking back at the highlights, reflecting on it, why Brighton fans feel aggrieved. And part of it has to do with a wider trend regarding Chelsea of just the lack of discipline that once again nearly cost Chelsea today. We cannot just sweep that under the rug. That is a massive problem. But then also the the penalty for Mikhailo Mudrik. And again, this sense that Premier League officials are inconsistent. Their decision making doesn't make a lot of sense. Things seem to change. Rules even seem to change. Interpretations of those rules seem to change on a weekly basis. Now, on this show before, I have criticised officials even if a decision has gone in Chelsea's favour. And I think I'm quite fair on that aspect. Even if it leads to Chelsea winning a game, I will sit here and comfortably admit that bad officiating has helped Chelsea. I really will. I'm not someone who just, you know, is blind to it. And that is absolutely the case with Moises Casado. Casado seemed to be on a 10-15 minute rampage where he wanted to either take a Brighton player out or get himself sent off. That's a discipline problem from a Chelsea point of view that I'll get into. But then also from a Brighton point of view, where is the consistency? Because Conor Gallagher was shown a second yellow earlier in the game for similar fouls. So I understand that. On the Mudrick penalty, all right, it's not Stonewall. So I can understand from a clear and obvious, but what even does that mean anymore? I have to say, even watching the replay, and I'm you know, again trying to be objective here, I understand that there'll be people screaming at me from a non-Chelsea perspective saying, how can you not? see that that's an awful decision by VAR and also by by Craig Paulson to give the penalty. But I have to say, I can understand why the decision of it not being a penalty originally was overturned. I think Milner panics. I think he it's not just the arm on the shoulder. I think it's also a second contact, which is kind of a tangle of legs, where, to be honest, if Milner does nothing, Mudrick gives away the chance because his... his touch into the box was so bad and it allowed Jason Steele to pick up the ball so Milner didn't have to do much in that situation and I think you know from Brighton fan and look back at that again I can understand you know why they're annoyed in one aspect but then also maybe looking at James Milner why did you have to even give a decision to the officials at that moment I think there is enough there to take Mudrik who is rapid off his feet and to the ground. And as I say, I understand that will will some people will be absolutely baffled that I've come to that conclusion. Uh, that's just, you know, my opinion. And and you're entitled to disagree with it. Uh, I do think Mudrick should have been doing a lot better with his final touch there. But I also think Milner, when you, a bit like I'm going to have a go at some Chelsea players, when you, you know, put yourself in that situation and you make contact, you know, it's not the case that every contact is a foul, but I think it wasn't just the first one where if, if the first one was the only thing that took Mudrick out, I can understand. It's the fact that he goes in again. The tangle of legs, I think, is what gives Chelsea the penalty in the end. And obviously, it's a crucial moment. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But the game is absolutely mental. I mean, it's it's crazy to me looking back that Chelsea were actually 2-0 up in this game at one point. And, you know, even when Chelsea went two goals up early on, and I thought we had a really, really good start to the game. I, I don't buy Deserby. Maybe he's, he's annoyed at this point. Brighton did not better Chelsea for 90, well, nearly 100, over 100 minutes of this game. They just simply did not. In the first period of the game, Chelsea, I'd say for the first half of the first half, Chelsea were significantly better than Brighton. I thought the way we pressed them, I thought the way it was kind of effectively a 4-1-4-1. You had Casado sitting in front of the defence. You had then had Enzo, Gallagher, Raheem Sterling and Mikhailo Mudrik and then Nicholas Jackson really press it, pressing Brighton up, but then also being able to counter and not kind of fall for the Brighton trick of kind of baiting the press um, and play around that press at times and then be able to counter on them. And uh, once again, those kind of wide players really being instrumental for Chelsea's ability to, to build up and get round defences. And also scoring from set pieces. I mean, that's something that is a bit of a rarity and I thought Benoit Badia-Shiel who was wonderful today obviously had a hand in in creating the first Enzo Fernandez massive moment for him to score and then Levi obviously proving a real threat against the club he was on loan with last season and it's just nice to see that for all the tactical kind of complexities we speak about in the game it it is quite nice that Chelsea are are utilizing corners and set pieces in that way I mean we've been woeful at defending them in recent weeks and we conceded another from a corner today. But in the case of actually utilising them to the best of their ability to use the strength and aerial height or just threat we have, massive. Two goals up, feeling good. An 8 and a 26 scoring at Stamford Bridge. I tweeted this. It feels a little bit of a rarity. It hasn't happened for a very long time. But I have to say, I turned to my brother who I go to games with at Stamford Bridge and I said, how are Chelsea going to mess this up? And they, they, well, they tried to prove me right. And... You know, that that in itself is a real concern to me. The drop-off between that first period and the second half of the first half that then led to a situation that seemed like it was doomed for Chelsea is unacceptable. It really is. And, yeah, I think it's a psychological thing where Chelsea players seem to not only retreat and stop doing the good things that they were doing, it's the lapses in concentration and self-inflicted wounds that this team has that are unbearable to experience as a supporter, but then you have to question what are the messages that are being given to Pochettino that mean they have these lapses in concentration. I don't just want to put it down to inexperience. It also is something leadership-wise, and the discipline, once again, was atrocious from Chelsea players. Conor Gallagher getting himself sent off in that situation. I've watched it back again. I think it is a second yellow card. What are you doing? I could have a go at Raheem Sterling for his his lack of tracking back, really hurting Chelsea, and eventually Pochettino had to address it in the second half. But in the case of Gallagher, like I said with Reese James, it's the same thing again. Your team is in a difficult moment. They're still 2-1 up in this situation. What we don't need is to go down to 10 men and the momentum to completely shift and for you to, as the captain on the day, to put your team under even more stress. Again, it's it's reflective of some people have put it down to selfishness within the group. 
you could put it down to naivety with some players being young and given that experience and then not having enough know-how in these situations to deal with game state and to know that you don't go flying in at that moment. Is it desperation? I think that's that was something that me and uh, that Chelsea pod discussed last week after Newcastle. Is it some players feeling an over-eagerness to impress? They're going out there, but the line between chaos and control is just too far in the chaos for Chelsea. We, we live in chaos as a club, but you've got to have that controlled chaos. And unfortunately, again, the discipline of Chelsea was, was called into question today. And it wasn't just Conor Gallagher. It was then Moises Casado in the second half, who probably should have seen a second yellow. And there was a period where I thought Enzo Fernandez may have gotten himself into some trouble as well. So... The discipline is a real issue because the obvious, you're going to have players missing games consistently with already the injury problems we have. But it completely derails moments where you're on top of the game. At 2-0 up, when you have Brighton, a depleted Brighton, who may be in that situation, I think nine times out of ten, if a better team in that situation is able to calm things down, Chelsea may be going to stroll to a comfortable 2 or 3-0 win and you then get to half-time 2-0. Yes, the goal before the break is a brilliant finish on its own, but that moment comes from Chelsea just standing off way too much and allowing Brighton far too much space to build and get into a dangerous position. It's a great finish, but at the same time, all of these things culminate in Chelsea imploding in moments within the game. And I think we come away from this game they responded to that adversity really well as I'll say again I think this team has a lot more in the tank and a lot it seems a lot more stern to face those adversities that wasn't the case against Newcastle obviously but today it was but it's something that needs to be rectified if we're going to succeed at all as a team because you you just cannot have these massive wild swings because then games go out of your control completely and you would end up end up losing players and losing control of the game. And when you're up against a team with the quality of Brighton that they then were able to bring on later in the game, you know, Chelsea are asking for problems. So I, I can't just sweep that under the rug. It's not a good sign. It's not something to be proud of. It looks silly. It looks petulant. As I said, with Reese James or Conor Gallagher, I expect a lot more from Conor Gallagher in that moment of maturity. And he just didn't provide it. And he's cost himself now because he'll be out for the Man United game. And, um, you know, whether he gets back into the team for the, for the Everton game, I think it is next week. I mean, that's for Pochettino to decide. But I also think it's on Pochettino to make sure that players aren't just making as many rash decisions as they are. I, I don't just want to completely make it seem like Pochettino has no responsibility in this because it feels like he may be sending that team out too fired up if that's the, the conclusion we come to. So then the goal happens and I think a lot of us kind of felt defl deflated at half time. We've had our nice moment of the game. This is all going to go in the opposite direction. The second half begins with, um, of course, Brighton putting Chelsea under pressure, but not really creating much. And I thought the tactical switches that Pochettino made throughout that second half were really effective. Swapping out Raheem Sterling for Cole Palmer I thought was a smart move. He seems a lot more energetic and alert tracking back. I think he helped in that aspect. You had Axel Dezassi, Benoit Baliashil, Levi Colwell, Thiago Silva. I all thought were excellent on a day as a back four, but then becoming more of a back five and having to retreat. Some of the last ditch tackles, some of the decision making, the physicality, standing up to Brighton's uh, quality, I thought was was exceptional really. And I think it needs to be credited. And that's why in my poll that I put up on my community page, it's mostly defenders other than Enzo Fernandez because from an attacking point of view, there weren't many standout candidates, if we're being completely honest. And that, that's what makes this game quite weird. 
So then you have that counter-attacking opportunity where Mudrick, this is where Mudrick should be at his best on a transition opportunity and probably why Mudrick started instead of Cole Palmer. And that's where, you know, we get to the penalty. I've spoken about the penalty. Enzo Fernandez steps up. He scores. He scores two goals today at Stamford Bridge. Hopefully it's the start of many goals in a Chelsea shirt. I know everyone will be praising Enzo Fernandez today and I, I can understand why. I think there are moments when he plays these dazzling passes and his trickery, his, his ability to keep the ball at his feet despite moving at such speed is a wonderful trait to have. And the stats so far this season prove that Enzo Fernandez is a really effective player or at least is is playing the passes you'd, you'd want him to. I still think my issue with Enzo is there still are a few times where it's, it's, it's almost a contradiction with him as a player. He can play like the really difficult balls well, but he gives away so many simple passes. And I'm not saying that he's the only one guilty of it. But when you think about what Enzo Fernandez's role should be in this Chelsea team, it's not only to dictate play, create chances for others, unlock defences, and hopefully have the calmness to score penalties and, and provide goals and, and assists when he can. It's also to be... I hate to use this word, but it's the only word that comes up. You know, a metronome, someone who's safe on the ball. That's what he should provide, even if there are concerns about maybe the other side of his game and why Chelsea maybe feel like they need more cover in that area in central midfield, even with Moises Casado. But still, I, there are still moments where he gives the ball away too cheaply for my liking. And as I say, that's not to completely denigrate his performance. I think he does deserve a lot of praise. And I think he's going to be... A brilliant player for Chelsea and I'm happy for him he scored that goal but you know I think it's the type of thing that maybe gets swept under the rug with Enzo and it maybe doesn't with other players and again I you know I think he should he should in those moments like if you get the simple part of the game right I think he's an even better player so that's all I'm saying but it obviously was a really good day for him as a Chelsea player so then we scored the penalty Chelsea is pretty much just low block, soak up the pressure, even with Matoma coming on, even with Drao Pedro coming on. Really, we limited them to very few good opportunities when you think about it. The two goals, one of them comes from a header, from a corner. You have 10 minutes added on. That was really frustrating because I did feel if Chelsea could just get to halfway through that really long 10 minute added on, I thought Chelsea would win the game. And it sort of felt like when they scored, it was only going to lead one way. And then eventually we got right to the end where... It seemed like the mess of Craig Paulson initially giving a penalty, it felt like to me, and then going to VAR and overturning it, all of the drama there. But then we left with a drop ball that didn't seem to make a lot of sense. It was absolute chaos. The game ends. Brighton feel aggrieved. Chelsea are relieved. I mean, I it's a big three points, and it really is. Chelsea have beaten Brighton twice so far this season. Uh, something that maybe is something to celebrate because, you know, Brighton are a very good team. Ob objectively, I think they are. Um, it's not to say that they're our biggest rivals. This was a conversation we had with Ryan Edsett pre-game. Um, I don't think they are as big of, of a rivals, but there is a narrative around these two clubs that are obvious that does kind of heat things up. And because of the nature of the game, the weather, the moments within the game, and the sense that Chelsea um, haven't been able to win ugly, that's kind of the biggest thing I can take away from this game. I've watched Man United, who I think are a dreadful football team, who we ironically play next, win games where they've been pretty atrocious. 
Chelsea need to find that part of them. It's all right us sitting here for weeks and weeks and talk about good moments, but we actually haven't got over the line. Today we got over the line, but I don't think Chelsea were that good. We still actually created better quality opportunities than Brighton did on the day, which I mean kind of speaks to that defensive performance that really should be highlighted. Thiago Silva made an astonishing tackle against Matoma right at the end. And given the discourse around Thiago Silva last week, I think he absolutely deserves credit. We speak on this channel a lot. Praise players when they deserve to be praised. Criticise players when they deserve to be criticised. Thiago Silva deserves to be praised today. So those are my thoughts as ever. Let me know yours in the comments below. Hopefully my voice will be recovered by the time we get to Man United in the midweek. Thank you guys for watching and listening on the podcast as ever. And I'll see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.